0: Good morning friends. How are you today? Good. Good. Hey, many of you have not met my wife and my youngest child. She just walked in from an insurance meeting. So everybody say hi to my wife, Erica, and she's got Isaiah, Jesse, Indiana Hargrave with her. (laughs) So if there's someone crying, it might be Erica and, uh, just, um, give her a little grace today. He is wearing his Indiana jammies, so uh, I dressed him this morning. <clears throat> so how many of you enjoyed your Thanksgiving? How, how many of you got a good night's sleep or, or a good nap? I mean, after the the meal, what's that stuff in Turkey that makes you sleep? I think that's in all of my food. I don't know why I just constantly falling asleep. I heard about a family that was getting ready for Thanksgiving and, um, There's kind of a pre-Christmas party at this guy's work, and, and his secret Santa gave him a parrot. Why he gave him a parrot, I don't have any idea, but he gave him a parrot. The guy was kind of an easygoing guy, and he went home, and he had this parrot, but the parrot had a problem. He had a really bad attitude, and he was mean, and he would say mean things, and... This guy was just shocked at the words the parrot was using. He was shocked at his demeanor. And finally, he just was so exasperated. He didn't want to know what to do. He's in the kitchen. So he just grabbed the, the parrot, put his hand over his beak, opened the freezer door, and put the parrot in the freezer just to get some relief. He leaned back against the refrigerator. He heard a whole bunch of squawking and wings flapping. And then all of a sudden, there was silence. Then there was a little tap at the door. The guy was like, what is going on? So he opened up the freezer door and the parrot stepped out onto his arm. The parrot said, you know, I feel like we got off on the wrong foot. I realize that I have not been a very kind and loving pet to you. Could you ever forgive me? And the man was so thrilled at the attitude of this parrot and he's like, you know, yeah, let's have a new start. And the parrot said, That is so wonderful to hear. But can I ask you one question? So, sure, what do you want to know? What did the turkey do? <laughs> yeah. So, anyway. Today we are finishing our series on cracked pots and I've enjoyed journeying through with you parts of 2nd Corinthians chapter 4 and parts of 2nd Corinthians chapter 5. Listen to me, these two chapters are some of the most meaningful chapters in all of God's word to me because they give me hope. They, they give me a picture of better days to come. Uh, Cord, I'm so grateful he spoke last week and I know he or two weeks ago, I know he did a fantastic job. I wish I could have been here with you because there is a passage that that continues to be one of the most important passages in my life. From Second Corinthians, chapter four, verse 16, it says, therefore, do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Therefore, do not keep your eyes set on the things that are seen, but rather on the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are temporary, but the things that are unseen are eternal. And here's the deal, friends. What Paul is saying as he writes this is we get older, the challenges that we face. Anybody in here face challenges if you've gotten older? Today is my father-in-law's birthday. Everybody say happy birthday, happy birthday, Jeff. Now he's got to watch this video so that he can know that people say happy birthday. He wrote on his text to our family chain, we were just saying, happy birthday, Poppy. We're so glad you're part of the family. He's like, you know, you get to an age where you just don't want to celebrate birthdays anymore. You just want to stay the same age. Now, my mother-in-law would have been the opposite. She's like, there's cake. Let's celebrate. Uh, in fact, she said the other day, she said, you know, my, her grandpa used to say, we start out with that with dessert. That way we're never full too full to eat it later. Right? So, but as we get older and our bodies begin to break down, as we lose one loved ones that we uh, have cherished throughout a lifetime is we have challenges of getting out of our cars and taking showers and we get those cool little shower bathtubs with the door that opens up and we struggle to sleep well at night and we have more prescriptions than we do friends and we just continue to have more and more challenges. What it does in our life is it is a reminder that the, although their bodies are breaking down, it's not about the things that we can see. It's about the eternal salvation that God has given to us. It's about a home that's waiting for us in heaven. It's about a total transformation of the challenges of this life being changed into the life that we were created for. Friends, it's talking about home sweet home. <laughs> it's a reminder. If we didn't have these challenges, we wouldn't have to look forward to something better. And it's a reminder that in this cosmic battle between God and Satan, Satan thought he was winning the battle when he brought death into the world. But for those of you who are from the north, you know what Euchre is. And God pulled out the trump card to whack old Satan in the face with a spiritual So let's start, if you want to open your Bibles or your manuscripts or your mobile devices to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We're going to be landing there for the first eight verses. And again, this is such a meaningful passage to me, and I hope that it will be to you as well. This is what Paul writes. For we know that when this earthly tent we live in is taken down... That is when we die and leave this earthly body, we will have a house in heaven, an eternal body made for us by God himself and not by human hands. First thing I want you to hold on to today is your body is not your home. Would you turn to the person next to you and say, that's a good thing for you. turn to the person who just said that and say, you're not looking so hot yourself. Your body is not your home. This is not the final destination of your soul. This is not where you're going to reside for the rest of eternity. Someday you are going to shed these temporary dwelling places and you are going to step out of those bodies into an eternity with a new body that God has preordained for you, where there will be no more pain, no more heartache, no more sickness, no more death, no more hardships in this life. Can I get an amen? Amen. Wouldn't you like to live in that body? Wouldn't you like to look forward to that day? Don't you know that you have something better waiting for you on the other side of eternity? So don't lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away Yet inwardly, we are being renewed day by day. You know, uh, I appreciate the prayers um, that I've heard from several of you that you guys prayed for us on Tuesday last week or two weeks ago. My uncle Darwin was 74. He had blood cancer. He also had uh, heart issues. And, and then he got COVID in, in two weeks. He went from being fine to being dead. so my family asked me to do the the celebration of life for him. And I drove our RV up to Indiana paying $8. You know, we got eight miles to the gallon and I went by myself so I could sleep in Walmarts and not have to worry about a hotel room. Um, but I got up there and it was good to see family and have the viewing because the viewing really is more about people coming and getting together and reestablishing relationships, right? And telling funny stories about their time with the person who has transitioned from this life to the next. The next day we had the celebration of life. But I think, you know what I think as a pastor, the most difficult part of the, the, the grieving process of a celebration of life is? I think it's at the gravesite because when it's in the church even if it's an open casket you have people that are there there's no finality so to speak because it's an abstract things i mean the body is still there with you but when you go to the gravesite and you see that casket being lowered into the ground if if you choose to be buried versus cremated or you see the ashes going into the that little jar thing that um Erica's going to keep under her bed once i pass away that way we can always be close There's a sadness because you think this is it, and so we went to the gravesite. And my grandpa Krill, man, he was one of my all-time heroes. He was a farmer. He had this understated sense of humor, and uh, before he died, he had this grave, this marker made with his farm on his gravesite. He was so proud of that thing. We used to go and have family get-togethers around his future gravestone, right? It's just a place he enjoyed going to. And so as my uncle, as we were at the grave site, we saw my grandpa's and grandma's tombstone and my uncle had done something very similar. But we were looking at the body and all of a sudden I was struck with the fact, what do I say? I know that this is a hard moment. And so I decided to take a passage from Paul. I decided to say, I know that you are grieving putting this shell of a body into the ground. But let me tell you, that is not my uncle Darwin. That is just the shell that he has shed from himself. He is not going into the ground. He is dancing and celebrating in heaven right now. So we are lowering the shell of a body into a tomb. But friends, he's not there. He's already gone on. He's sad for us because we're grieving. But he's saying, oh, if you only knew. Oh, if you could taste the desserts here in heaven. They're divine. And it won't be long. So don't be afraid. Don't be worried. Because the best is yet to come. I think Arthur Brisbane, and I use this at Celebrations of Life a lot, he had this idea when he wrote a poem about a group of grieving caterpillars blessed, uh, dressed in black raiment and grieving and crying as they carried the empty shell of a lost brother. All the while there was a beautiful butterfly flying above the muck and the mire enjoying what he was created to do. Our bodies are not our home. Someday soon, we're going to shed these old broken down jalopies. And we are going to be made new. Listen to what verses two and three says, man, this is getting good. We grow weary in our present bodies. Anybody relate to that? Anybody married to someone who relates to that? Be careful what you say. We're saving marriages all over Daytona today. And we long to put on our heavenly bodies like new clothing, for we will put on heavenly bodies. We will not be spirits without bodies. You know what this verse is telling us? He's telling us that in the very essence of who we are, you're a soul, man. You're a soul, man. (laughs) my wife will be like don't encourage him he sings way too much at home (laughs) you're a soul man it's not your body that you wear that is the essence of who you are it is that inner voice inside of you it's your personality it's your character it is the deepest part of you It is your personality. It is that voice that you have conversations inside of your head that no one else can hear. You are a living soul inside of a rented temporary body. And friends, your soul was created in the image of God. Listen to what Genesis chapter 1 verse 27 says. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Friends, he's not talking about the way that we look. God, it does not look like a human being looks. He's talking about the soul inside of you. God is spirit. The Holy Spirit is spirit. Jesus is spirit before he was manifested here on this earth. So what he's saying is, is when you were created, it wasn't in the image of God. It wasn't as a body that you wear. It is the soul that is the essence of who you are. Your soul is what was created in the image of God. Sometimes we describe that as the spirit living inside of us. This is an interesting thing that my wife shared with me several years ago um, when she was in grad school. It says the idea of breath, used in first in Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, is used to describe God breathing life or soul into Adam. It's used in the New Testament for God's spirit. Literally, the New Testament says it's Hyanuma. And we translate that as the Holy Spirit. And so the breath of life and the Holy Spirit, or literally the holy breath, are parallel ideas in Scripture. We were created in the image of God. Now turn to the person next to you and say, You're looking pretty good now. Mm-hmm. Verse four, Second Corinthians chapter five says, While we live in these earthly bodies, we groan and we sigh. But it's not that we want to die and get rid of these bodies that clothe us. Rather, we want to put on our new bodies so that these dying bodies will be swallowed. Friends, your body will decay and it will betray you. You will not be able to do the things that you used to do. You can't go high jump six feet anymore. You might be able to jump over a yardstick if it's not too far away from you. You're not going to be able to run in a marathon, at least not most of us. You know, there was a 106-year-old woman who just ran a 100-yard sprint, broke the world record. That's amazing. But she can't run it in 10.6 seconds anymore. Right? The aches and pains of this life, as we get older, manifest themselves. Now, I haven't been able to get a haircut because I normally get my hair cut every four weeks. And it was during the, the week of um when i was up north at the celebration of life and so my hair is getting kind of long i'm looking like i'm from the 70s again um and i asked my wife last night i said is there still like a little bald spot up there and she said oh sweetheart it's just a solar panel for a love machine <laughs> true story true story Didn't even know it was happening until I accidentally looked in the mirror one day. But the transition of getting older stinks. You know, I heard a story of an elderly couple that were in their 90s. And they were both in good health, but their minds were beginning to slip a little bit. Trouble remembering things. Any of you struggle with that? How many of you forgot that you were struggling with that? <laughs> anyway, they decided to go to the doctor and uh, to just talk with them about what was going on. And they are kind of a competitive... I mean, if you've been married for a while, do you ever get that kind of competitive needling in your marriage? Just kind of playful? Um, Anyway, that's kind of who they were, whose memories worse, whose is going faster. And so they went to the doctor. The doctor said, look, you're in great shape, but you're 90. And so you're going to struggle sometimes. It's OK. Just write things down and it'll help you to remember what you're what you're doing. And so they went home and they were just still kind of needling each other. That night, uh, they were sitting watching TV um, reruns of Lawrence Welk. And as they were watching TV Uh, The husband got up and the wife said, what are you doing? He said, I thought I'd go get me a bowl of ice cream. She's like, hey, would you mind getting me one too? And he's like, sure. She said, playfully, you want to write it down? No, I think I got it. Well, could you put strawberries on my ice cream? Sure. You think you want to write it down? No, I can remember that. Um, One more thing, honey, please put whipped cream on my ice cream as well. Okay, do you want to write it down? No, I got it. He was in the uh, kitchen for about 20 minutes and he walked out with bacon and eggs and he handed it to his wife. She looked at him, shook her head and said, see, you forgot my toast. (laughs) Listen, it's not easy going through the aging process. Therefore, do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day for our light momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Therefore, do not keep your eyes set on the things that are, come on, seen, but rather on the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are temporary, but the un- things that are unseen are eternal. Verse five says, God himself has prepared us for this and as a guarantee, he has given us the Holy Spirit. And it's that Holy Spirit that keeps telling you, this is not all that there is. This body is not all that there is. There's something better. There is a God who loved you, who created you, who created you for a purpose. So don't give up, don't stop because the best is yet to come. Uh, anybody around for world war II, in here? Anybody you remember how, uh, some of you are probably just babes if you were alive then, but it was devastating. Millions and millions of people died in 1943. It, things did not look good for the allies, right? The German army was advancing, uh, the Japanese army was advancing in the Pacific, uh, Britain was on the the verge of collapse. France had already collapsed. The Allies were taking a beating. Back then, when soldiers went into conflict, it wasn't for a six month term or a 12 month term, but those folks went for the duration of the war, however long it took. 1943, there's a guy by the name of Bing Crosby. Who wrote a song that touched the heart of every soldier, sailor, marine, Coast Guard person who are serving in that conflict. And it's called, I'll be home for Christmas. You can on me. Let me ask you a question. How impactful do you think that, that song was to people who are ready to go home? There's just something about home that should be comforting, that should be filled with family and love and laughter and security. Listen, Paul, Paul really expresses this sentiment when he writes in Philippians chapter one, listen to what he says for to me, living means living for Christ and dying is even better. But if I live, I can do more fruitful work for Christ. So I really don't know which is better. I'm torn between two desires. I long to go and be with Christ, which would be better for me. But for your sake, it's better that I continue to live. You see, what Paul is saying is I'm ready to go home. I just want to be at home with the Lord. I'm ready to shed this body and move on to a better reality. But I know that this life is also a gift and we live it to the fullest and we take every opportunity. Listen, I was in my Tuesday Bible study um, one night and I asked, there's 12 people sitting around the room. And I said, hey, what do you guys think? You know, I'm struggling with getting older. I don't like having gray in my hair. I don't like, you know, having furniture disease, which is where everything in my chest has fallen into my drawers. (laughs) I don't like having knee issues and not being able to walk and not being able to run and do all the things that I used to do. But this life is a gift. I got four little babies at home that bright my day. And you're going to be surprised, but even more important to me than those four little babies is my beautiful bride that is my best friend and my life companion. Life is a gift. And I get to do the greatest. I, I have the greatest job in the world. Is there anything better than telling people about Jesus? But with all those things in mind, I still can't wait to get home. For me to live is to live as Christ. For me to live is to be able to share the good news and encourage people. How many of you have neighbors who are struggling, who are afraid of COVID, who are dealing with the loss of somebody that love, who hate getting older? Listen, friends, you are the encouragement that can change a life. Your message of Jesus has the power to transform and to bring hope into hopelessness. Your ability to share the light of Jesus has the opportunity to shed light into a dark soul. You may be the difference between someone willing to cash in their chips and someone Willing to celebrate the gift of life that Jesus Christ has given to them. This life is a gift. So you live it to the fullest. As my wife always says, as long as you have a pulse, you have a purpose. So live boldly. Because while you're here, you've got a calling. You have things you need to do. But that doesn't stop me from looking forward to home sweet home. At the end of the day. Verse six through eight says, so we are always confident, even though we know that as long as we live in these bodies, we are not at home with the Lord. For we live by believing and not by seeing. Yes, we are fully confident and we would rather be away from these earthly bodies and then we will be at home with the Lord. When I was growing up, I had a preacher who gave my mom some interesting insight and he said, you know, the birthing process is difficult, right? You are created In the image of God, you were put together in your mother's womb. And for some of us, you know, the birthing process was traumatic. We come out and all of a sudden there's this bright light in this cold room and somebody spanked our butts. But then the nurses or doctor took us over to our mother. And she helps. I'll never forget my first child that we struggled with infertility for three years and when we had Gabby, it was a blessing and they must have told us three or four times the baby wasn't going to make it. The baby was going to have a brain tumor. The baby would be born, at, uh, would die at birth. I mean, it was all kinds of craziness. So when that little baby was pulled out, the nurse put him her in my arms and I carried her over to Erica and I put her on Erica's shoulder. And little Gabby, who I knew was going to be left-handed when she was born, opened her left eye and the first thing she saw was her mother's face. Life ain't so bad when we're in the arms of a parent who loves us. And likewise, the death process is always also a challenge because we're afraid. We don't know what it's like to be without these bodies. You know having a broken down body that we know seems to be better than a spirit free that we don't understand or a new body that we don't know how it works or what it's going to look like or what reality will be. But friends, the moment you breathe your last breath, the moment you close your eyes, when you wake up and you open your eyes in your new reality, you are going to see the face of the father. And he's going to say, welcome home, good and faithful servant. Welcome home. Let the party begin. Because we are going to celebrate, celebrate, celebrate. So let's go. We've got an eternity, everlasting life to be together. Friends, here's what I'm looking to forward to. I'm looking to forward to a new body a family reunion, no more crying or pain, no more arguments or anger, no more depression or anxiety, no more tumors or treatments, no more blind eyes or deaf ears, no more Alzheimer's, no more AIDS, no more pink slips from the boss, no more tear stained divorce papers, no more flag draped caskets, no more tears, no more tragedy. And all of the beauty of this is that when we stand in God's presence, the trials of life will seem so far away. so far away and we will finally be where we were created for from the very beginning Revelation chapter 21 4 says he will wipe every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain all these things are gone forever forever and as Paul wrote those words in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and 2 Corinthians chapter 5, I wonder, I wonder if he was remembering those words the last two days of his life. After being confined in Mamertimum, one of the most horrible prisons of the Roman Empire, he was taken out of a cell the day before he was to be executed. And there they stripped him of his, all of his clothing and they walked him to be humiliated through the streets of Rome past the big um, metal gate and the stone walls that held that gate. He went for three miles where they finally stopped in a cemetery. And there we believe that they put him in a small cell for that night. When he woke up the next morning at dawn, they pulled him out of that cell. And they walked him towards the seashore where there was a small pillar where they made him kneel down and they chained his arms around that pillar. And then the lictors who were experts in torture and suffering did their best work. And they beat him with canes until he was bleeding out of his eyes and out of his nose and out of his mouth. And then an executioner who was also naked stood over him, raised his axe, and separated Paul's head from his body. And Paul was finally absent from the body, and he was at last home with the Lord. Friends, there's nothing, nothing to fear when we transition. There is hope, there is peace, there is renewal, there is celebration. And although it's a scary thing, the greatest testimony that Paul writes, he knew it was going to happen to him greatest testimony is that he believed so strongly that he wasn't afraid because he knew that the best was yet to come. Let's pray. Lord, I just thank you so much for the way that you love us. And I know that this process of being a cracked clay pot is not easy and Lord we know that as we get older as our bodies begin to fall apart our faith is increased and the light, the treasure that you have inside of us continues to shine brightly into the dark world because darkness is afraid of light and so God All of us are going to walk that path someday, whatever it looks like in a hospital bed, in our own bed, in a car accident, whatever it may be. Lord, would you help us not to be afraid? We pray that you would increase our faith and remind us and assure us that the best, the very best is yet to come. Lord, we love you.